0: that I've just been thinking about. And uh, the title of tonight is, is, uh, I'm ready to grow. Is there anyone here that just wants to grow? Like, you just want, we want more, man, like in every area of your life, right? And I I just think, I'm biased, but I think when you put the spiritual first, because we're spirit first, we really are spiritual beings. I believe that when we put the spirit first, when we put God first, that he puts into order everything else, the physical, the emotional, the financial, the mental, but I think it's important, it's imperative to put the spiritual first. And so um, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, or we're going to have it on the screen for you, but I'm just going to read this passage of Scripture, and we're going to go deep, okay? I know we prayed already, but let's pray one more time. Jesus, Holy Spirit, speak. We love you so much. Amen. We're in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, and it says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them, those that were listening, those that were curious, those that just wanted to hear about this Jesus. He told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. It was amazing. It was awesome. Because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. Say good soil. Man, I want good soil in my life. I want the good So other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, Jesus said, let them hear. You know, I I remember when I was in like third or fourth grade, not fourth because that was like California and the gold guys, rushers, but I think it was like second or third grade. But I remember there was this moment in the year where The teachers wanted to teach us, my particular teacher wanted to teach us about plants and about like growing plants. And I don't know if you remember, wow, what a great illustration. Justin, you're amazing, bro. I didn't, it wasn't your plan for this. Like, do you, like, I don't know if you remember this, but we would use like cups like this, and then we'd get soil. My teacher's like, we're going to teach you, you know, about evaporation and about plants and about growth and how the water and the clouds and all of it works, but how the roots grow and and, and how it happens, right? And so they would put soil into a cup and then they would, we would like, we could do it ourselves, right? And the teacher was watching and then you got a little seed, just a tiny little seed. I don't know what plant it was. And you just put it right in the middle. And then every day, we would water this, the, the plant. We'd water the cup and the seed and, and the teacher would explain. And, and I remember being like a small boy, like going up to it and looking and being fascinated. Sometimes I couldn't see anything. And I remember there were students that would like move the stuff around and it would damage the roots, right? And this, it was like, you ruined it. And, and, but like, I, I remember I was so interested at like, it was growing and I could see the roots because, you know, it was clear cups. And then and then, I, and then it started to like, pop out of the soil you remember that and I'm like wow it's like green and you can see it And some plants were different some of them grew like really big and some were smaller but every day we, w- we would put water in it and you know I think about that story of elementary and the seed and the water and the growth and you know, then I fast-forward my maturity. I fast-forward to being in college and sitting under professors and, and learning about the scriptures and learning about God and understanding the context and the verbiage. But more importantly, there was a professor, there's this teacher that, that really just I was drawn to. I, I appreciated the professors that they didn't just talk about preaching. Let me walk you through how to preach. But they, like, were pastors for, like, two years. It was like, ah, it's kind of hard. Like, I, I need... Or, I, like, they would talk about spiritual, you know, growth and like, because one of my things was, like, leadership and, like, wow, like, organizations and how that happens. And I just remember being so bothered, like, wondering, well, did you grow anything? You're teaching about, like, organizational growth and leadership. What did you grow? Like, I, I was that guy. I don't know if you're that person. Because I want to be taught and understand when he's actually done it. And there was this one professor that stuck out to me. And, you know, he's, like, an older guy. I love the gray hairs. And, he was a, a senior pastor for 20 years in like the Claremont-Upland area. And he took over a church, and was there for years, had struggles, had you know raised his kids in the church, and he had gone through it, and now he was a professor, had a master's of divinity, and he taught it so eloquently. Like old guy, like reminds me of like, like um, Mr. Burns. Like, like think of that. That's, that's, that's what he looked like, right? I know that's bad, but that's what he looked like. And I could remember him because I I was at the church on Vanguard University, across was the OC Fairgrounds, and then there was a 55 freeway right there that just turns right into Newport, like beach area. It just turns right into the street, you know what I'm talking about? And that freeway right there by the church where I was a youth pastor and by Vanguard and across from the OC Fairgrounds, I remember in my office I could see him walking across the freeway, you know? And he was going to a Starbucks and not only was he a pastor for 20-plus years, but he became a mentor and he became a professor, and he was highly respected among the community, and everyone just wanted to sit down and just, oh, just talk about God. He's like the guru. And I remember seeing him and watching him, and, and I got the chance. I was like, hey, can, can I just, like, please just sit down with you once and talk? I got, you know, I'm work, working through, like, these like youth leaders. I was a youth pastor, and we were having some issues, and I didn't know how to deal with it. It was, like, conflict management, and, like, you know, it was just bad stuff. And so I remember I asked him, hey, could we just talk? And, and he just sat there and just listened. Like the old, like, the gurus, like, just, oh, yeah and then it would say one thing, and it's just like, what? And he said something that shattered the way that I view God and spirituality, the way that I view growth, the way that I view understanding, and he said it seems as though God is doing something underneath the surface. And I thought through that, and I still think through that, and I think of the water and the soil, and I, and I realize that vocabulary of underneath the surface, it's so incredibly important to realize that God is always doing something underneath the surface. Now, you you, you might not fully get it. Like, we we walk around and we we can become really good at hiding things externally. We can walk around and, and have our head held high and it's all good. And yeah, brother, I love you. Yeah, give me a hug. And yet, deep down, we have no idea what's going on underneath the surface. You don't, you might not even know what's going on underneath the surface, but God does. And so... I look at this and I think about this and, and I look at this story and the context and it's beautiful and Jesus is there and, and he, he's, he's performing all these miracles and now he has so many people wanting to listen to him and so he finds himself going out on a boat. The reason he did that, it was like an amplifier. Remember 2000 plus years ago, this was like millennia ago, they didn't have microphones. So Jesus decided to get on a boat because his voice amplified over the water and as he was talking, he spoke in parables. He spoke to the depth of the underneath the surface of the people that were listening, the hearers' lives. And he says something really interesting. He talks about like this farmer who just throws some seed. He's just, he's just going at it like everywhere he's just throwing seed. A farmer, he's throwing seed. That's part two. There's something important about just throwing seed. But he's throwing seed and then the scripture says that Something happens, he throws it and, and, it, and you know, it lands upon the path and everyone's like walking over it and it doesn't really catch. The birds come and take it away. And then there's still another seed that lands on like some rocky ground and you know, there's a lot of bedrock and pebbles and rocks and so it doesn't really take root. It kind of like quickly, but then it gets, it gets taken out and there's just all these different things that he's, this Jesus is talking about in parable and then he gives us the answer if you read Matthew 13 because you read it, you're like, what is he talking about? and then he tells his disciples cuz they ask Jesus what on earth were you saying and he explains it there's three things that i want to i want to walk you through on in regards to i'm i'm ready to grow but before we even talk about growth i think it's imperative to know how do we stunt our growth how do we stop our growth Because, you see, we live in a day and age where we just want it right now. We want to grow now. We want the money now. We want the job now. We want everything good to happen now. Like, I just want the baby now. The baby and my wife, like, I want the baby right here now. But it's just it's not going to happen because there's something happening underneath the surface. I can't see it. I can't see what God is doing. I can't see how he's shifting, he's moving. I can't see how this baby is being formed. I wish I could see the face and the ears and the eyes and the fingers, but I can't see it yet because there's something happening underneath the surface. So what stops my growth? What stops my seed? Well, I'm glad you asked. First first one. Jesus gives the response in Matthew 13 verses 19 to 23. It's, I'll have this on the, on the screen. The first one is the evil one. There's three things that I believe in this story Jesus expresses to us in regards to how our growth is stopped and stunted and how our seed is taken away. And the first one, Jesus says, is the evil one. I'll be honest, I don't like talking all the time about like giving too much credit to the devil but I do believe that if Jesus talked about it, we should talk about it. So right now, I'm sorry if it like, makes you nervous, but like, it's in the scripture, so we gotta talk about it. There is an evil one out there, there is an adversary out there, there is one that hates you out there. His name is Satan, his former name was Lucifer. He was in heaven at a time. He was the one who committed the first sin. It wasn't Adam and Eve, it was actually Lucifer, and it was pride, and so the evil one, he hates you. And Jesus expresses, he says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, this right here, when you're in a Bible study, when you're talking to someone about God, when you're listening to a pastor, when you're listening to a podcast, when you open the scriptures, if anyone, he, if anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes up and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed down that was sown along the path. I don't know about you, but there's often many times where when things go on in my life, I have to step back and say, is this like the evil one? Is this the enemy working right now? Like, I don't want to be like, play victim. I don't want to, but like, what, what, what's going on underneath the surface? I think we have to be aware. We have to be wise. It's important to know that, yes, the evil one, he's after you. I'm sorry. I know it's scary, and it's like, ah, but like, yeah, he can't stand you. He hates you, he wants to destroy everything that you have built in your life. In fact, I'll be honest, he can't stand when you go to church. He can't stand when you talk about God. I would argue and and go a little bit more in depth, can we go deep here, is that okay? I would argue, oh, oh. I, I would argue the evil one, wow, back in junior high, Kelly. I would argue the evil one, he knows you more than you know yourself. And so if you've been far from God, if you've been close to God or if you've never even heard about God and you, and you go to a church gathering, if you go to coin and you're listening in and it's like, man, there's something that just popped out of me. Man, it felt like that pastor was talking to me. Man, those people were so awesome. And then Monday morning, all this stuff happens and you talk to someone who doesn't really like God and they're like, that place is a cult. Jesus is a cult, church is a cult. You should never go back to that church. And it's like, the enemy will use anyone. And now immediately, it was so good, Jesus said, it was, they, 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 it was sown in their heart. There's something that happened in their heart, but the enemy quickly snatched it up. Number two is when life hits. This is for all of us. Jesus said, the seed falling on rocky grounds refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Joy. It's amazing, man, I love that church, I love Jesus, wow, this is awesome, like emotional high, like roller coaster high, like we're killing it, it's amazing, and then life hits you right in the face, right, like Douglas comes out with Mike Tyson and knocks him out, like you're in the ring, you're like, man, this is amazing, win after win after win, and then you get slapped and you're like on your back, on your face, and life has hit you, and Jesus said it, I didn't say it, it will happen. He says, I'm sorry, but like life's going to get tough, but take hold. It's okay. I've I've overcome the world. But since they have no root, it's important to have a root. It's important to go deep. Since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And maybe you're in this room and, and you fall into that. Maybe that's happened to you where everything was just going good and you thought it was all about like, it was all good, it was all supposed to be good and then you realize pretty quickly like, but I thought this whole Jesus thing was gonna be like amazing and it's like, no, it's just life. There's persecution, there's brokenness, there's damage, there's hurt, there's, there's, there's things that happen in our life where we don't even know where it came from. Or you yourself might be going at it, like posting on Instagram, I love Jesus. Man, he's my ride or die. I love him. Telling everyone at your work, playing worship music in the back, like I don't care. And then all of a sudden you start getting persecuted, 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 made fun of, made fun of, and you fall away because the seed didn't go deep. You lost your joy. Where did the joy go? Well, when the persecution came, it was like, ah. The storms came and, like, like, it's just, I'd rather do my own thing. And the last one is when life is too good. I wrote this down, like, I thought this was amazing. When life is too good, but the good is bigger than God. He says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, other translations say deceitfulness of lust, deceitfulness of desire, choke the word, making it unfruitful. Meaning you strap on Jesus to your life and he's just like on the side, he's not before you. He's not going in front of you. He's not the one that you ask, hey, God, I got this promotion, or hey, God, I'm thinking about this job. What what should I do? Hey, God, this is happening in my life. What should I do? Hey, I I heard this news. I want to go to God first. And what happens is life just gets too good. It's all amazing. It's like, wow, I'm living on a high. Everything's amazing. And the good becomes a God to you. You don't need God anymore. Jesus talked more about, I'll be honest, he talked more about money in the scriptures in the New Testament than he talked about love. Money, wealth, it can choke you. It can, it can lure you away. It can get you away from the, the main thing, which is Jesus. What good is it to gain everything and, and to have all the popularity and to have all the finances and to have everything that you've ever dreamed or imagined or wanted, but you lose it all at the end. You lose your life, you lose your desire, you lose your heart, you lose your soul. I wrote this down, don't drink the Kool-Aid. You guys know what that means? Man, Grandma Liz, that's the old one, huh? That's, that's, I like it, I like it a lot. It's a good one, I wanna to explain to you what that means for those that don't. The phrase drinking the Kool-Aid refers to a fellowship at its worst. It was coined after a delusional pseudo-guru named Jim Jones, led by his, and he had a cult, the People's Temple, to mass suicide. Over 900 people, including 304 children, killed themselves by drinking from a vat of grape-flavored drink, Kool-Aid, laced with cyanide. He convinced them, guys. Like, what? Some of them, like, some of them he didn't convince, he just actually didn't. He just said, all right, everybody, you're going to have some Kool-Aid. And the problem with drinking the Kool-Aid is it seems good. It seems cool. Look it up. Like, you can do it yourself. Type type in in Google, what does don't drink the Kool-Aid mean? There's three different definitions. It's the second one that's so important to me because it's like life is just like it's seeming so good. And I'm so sorry, but like I'm going to offend people right now, but I just have to. Okay, I have to. I'm sorry. I've realized because I I grew up in a church. Like I grew up my mom, man, she was on me like no other about church. I didn't have a choice about church, and now I look back and I thank her. Like, Mom, thank you for making me go. Thank you for signing me up to that junior high retreat. Like, thank you, I've met God in so many places, and it might have seemed forced, but I met the living, true God. But I I remember I had a buddy and we played soccer all the time. He's like, man, soccer on Sunday, man. Come on, dude. And I was in junior high and I said, Mom, please, please, Mom, can I play soccer? And she's like, no. Sunday, but I don't want to. I don't want to be that parent. I know. I, I know this might offend you. I don't want to be that parent that drinks the Kool Aid. Because we've looked and we've seen into society. I'm just going to be really honest, and I'm only talking because like I have a baby in the womb. Like, but she's in the womb. Like ba- Kelly's right here. There's a baby in the womb. So I feel like I already have a baby. So I'm thinking, like, I'm futuristic. I really am. I'm already 10 years out. Like, where is my baby going to be in 10 years? They're gonna be, it's going to be 10 years old. Like, wow, like the school, and what does that look like? And sports, what kind of sports? And I'm thinking, no, there's no way that I'm going to fall and I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid of the culture. Because look up the studies. Studies show, regardless of what you believe about church or not, the, the majority of people that find themselves in jail didn't go to church at all. Look it up. It's very interesting. And also, the ones that did have a more likelihood of being more successful, being more of a good person, a loving person. And I've heard it from a pastor that said this, and I loved it. You can be a parent and tell your kid, oh, and they're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to, like, read the Bible. I don't want to pray during dinner. And you you can make a choice. It's either you listen or you don't. You you abide or you don't, but there's going to come a point to that little child's life when they grow up and someone else will be telling them, okay, the cell's open, now walk in, now sit down, it's time to eat, now come on out, now let's go out to the yard, you can lift weights if you want, okay, it's done, now someone else is going to be telling them what to do. And so I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest, I know it's like, ah, it's offensive, I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid of the culture. Whatever the culture is saying, I have to look at it, and I have to put it up to the mirror of the scriptures, of the heart of God. I don't, I don't care anymore, I wanna grow. I want my life to be fruitful. I want there to be plenty of fruit. I want, you know, an oak tree, it takes about 50 years for it to start producing the stuff that comes out, like the acorns, 50 years. And I think about that, and I think about my life, and I think about what Jesus is saying, he, He's saying when life is too good, it's just gotten too good, you've you've drank the Kool-Aid. You've drank the Kool-Aid, you forgot about about the truth, and you forgot about what's underneath the surface. You forgot what's important in your life, and it's to pursue me, it's to grow in your spiritual walk. And it's important, it's imperative, and it means something. Life and death, it means something. So what's the principle of growth and fruitfulness? Matthew 13, 23 says this. Jesus said, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. For those that were, were placed on the good soil and then there was water and then the roots went deep and they went deep and they went deep and it didn't matter what came their way. The winds could come, the storms could come, persecution could come, but nothing could sway them or rock them or remove the roots that was planted deep within the soil. And I'll be honest, I do believe it's a tango when it comes with God, I really do. It probably is in light because like Enneagram three, I'm like really driven. And I'm sorry, but like that's just who I am. So I'm always going to call you to more. I'm always going to drive you to more. I'm always going to say you can do more because that's just like who I am. That's the way that I think. That's the way I process. I understand there's moments where we need to relax and we need to sit. But if I want to grow, I got to do something. I have to be willing to say, okay, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? How do you wanna move in my life? What are the things that I need to start doing? How can I grow and get deeper with you? What's going on underneath the surface? Galatians says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Like, I'm not saying this. Don't be offended by me. This is the word of God. Whoever sows to the flesh, it's just whatever, it's whatever the flesh wants, it's whatever I want. I, I don't really care what God says, I don't really care what people say, I don't really care what my pastor says, I don't really care what my parents say, I don't really care what my wife or my husband says, I just, I, I wanna do me. Like, I gotta do me. And I'm gonna do whatever I want, whenever I want it. And what happens is you allow the flesh to drive your life. And the scripture says, the Bible says, a life that does that finds destruction it's really hard to find growth in an area of destruction, right? It's impossible. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, and I'm I'm just gonna prophesy over everybody. I believe that every person in this room wants to sow to the Spirit, wants to sow to life, wants more in life. (laughs) Every person doesn't wake up in the morning and say, man, I just wish I had like a horrible day today. I just, oh, that interview, I hope I do so bad. Like I hope I don't get it. Or man, like I hope when I go to work, because I do valet and I park cars, I hope I just run right into every other Ferrari or Lamborghini and just get fired today. Like you don't wake up, you know, you wake up, we have like, we're, we're the hustlers, we play on like this basketball league. We don't wake up, I don't wake up on Thursday morning going, man, I can't wait to lose tonight. Jeez. No, it doesn't work like that. So I've proven to you that in your heart of hearts, your desires, you desire growth. You desire success, you want things to rise up, you want things to multiply, you want things to be healthy and fruitful. Why is it then that every person has a different outcome on that? Why is it that we're facing destruction in our life? Well, I would argue it's because we're not giving, what we're not sowing to the spirit. We're not desiring the things of the spirit. We're not wanting more of God, we're not reading the scriptures, we're not going to God on imperative things. And I looked at that old man as he, as he walked across. He's not that old, but I looked at him as he walked across over the 55 freeway. And I, and I, and I said, God, I want to be, I want to live my life in such a way. When I'm in my 70s and 80s, it doesn't matter. I'm going to walk and I'm going to talk to every person that needs to know more about you. I'm going to live my life in such a way where people actually want to sit down and talk to me about Jesus. Like that's, that's my call. That's my dream. What's yours? But you see, I can't ever attain to that, find that, unless I'm willing to go through the process of what's underneath the surface. I can't just get it in one day. It's gonna take years. It takes 50 years for an oak tree to produce acorns. I'm along for the ride. So it doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to allow God to do what he does. I'm going to allow the winds to come and the rains to come and the storms to come. I don't care who gets in my way. The evil one is not going to deceive me. I don't care what my flesh says. My flesh has to abide by what my spirit says. And whatever the spirit says, that is what I will do. And I choose not to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm over drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm over the culture telling me how to do it and what to do and what's cool and what's not cool and what doesn't make sense and what does make sense. I'm so over it. I'm done drinking the Kool-Aid. I wanna drink the water of life. That replenishes and brings security and brings growth to my soul. Whoever sows to to, to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Worship team, you guys can come on. Come on up. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. At at a proper time, after 50 years, you're going to start producing acorns. But, like, he gives us the, the antidote right here. Like, I need to live my life off of Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. I know sometimes it gets hard in doing good. It gets hard in in, in desiring more of God. It gets hard in going to church. It gets hard in setting this up and then tearing it down. It gets hard week after week to want to do good. But after a while, the years pile up and the disciplines pile up and the maturity grows and the roots grow deep. And, and after a while then that tree becomes, begins to produce fruit and now people can benefit from the shade of your life. They can benefit from the richness of every experience and every truth and everything you've understood but it has to start with a small little seed and it goes in the soil and it has to be watered, and it has to take root. First Corinthians says this, I love this so much, I read this often when we were going through planning this church. First Corinthians says this, what after all is Apollos? The church got really confused. They didn't know which one was like the main leader who started the church because Paul was Paul and then there was Apollos and there was people. They didn't know like, well, do we follow Apollos or do we follow Paul? Like we got baptized by one, but we didn't get baptized by the other. So like, what does that make us? Like, what should we do? And Paul writes this, he says, what after all is Apollos and, and what is Paul? Only servants. Who's Brendan, he's only a servant. Who's Sammy, he's only a servant. Who's Kelly, only a servant. Maddie, only, Nelson, only a servant. Only a servant, we're only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God. Could you, sh- could you just whisper, but God, but God. Man, I love that so much. But God has been making it grow. Not Apollos, not Paul, not Matty or Brendan or Sammy or Kelly, not any leader here, but God has been doing it. Sure, God used Sammy to speak and then you heard and you listened and it took root and now you're excited and you want to know more about God. Sure, God used me. I was but a vessel, I was but a servant and assigned to the task to which you should hear the gospel. But the rest is God's. He grows it, he multiplies it, he does something within it. Not any man, not any person, God. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. They're important, Paul says, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. So I say this, you guys can play behind me. I say this, it just sounds more spiritual. <laughs> I say this, you ought to thank the water in your life. You ought to thank God for water. Thank God for the people that, when, man, that someone just, maybe it was just Sammy and you came to Coin Church and he was just throwing the seed everywhere. You know, who it was going to? And then it took root. And then Kelly comes along and he's encouraging. And Gabby comes along and they encourage you. And James comes along and you get that text and you're not sure what to do and, and then you call Mama Flo and then, and then you talk to Grandma Liz and you go to Flo's and you have breakfast and you talk about life and it's like, man. And they've watered it. Someone planted it, someone watered it, but God grows the rest. And we have to get to a point in our life where we, cannot, we, we don't make excuses for our growth. Like this is a house, this is a home. You guys realize that, right? This is a home. And like, I know this sounds kinda weird, but I'm, I'm too confident to not say this. When, when God creates a house, he creates a leader around the house. And, and the leader has to shepherd and has to discern and has to understand and has to go to God. God is my boss. God is the one to which I go to, I answer to God, and that terrifies me, if I'm being honest. But he's called me to be a father. I know I get it, like, you're in your 50s and like, I'm here and how are you? But like spiritually, there's a fatherhood here. And I'll be honest, when we have our baby, there's no stunted growth. I'm going to be encouraging them and calling them to more. You can do more. There's no stunted growth in this house. You can do better. You can do more. You can fight for more. It's okay. We messed up. We fell. Get back up. Go back to last week's podcast. Listen to it. It's all right. Shame came in. Brokenness came in. Get back up. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep pushing. Don't let the wind come and take you away. Don't let the evil one come and say you're not good enough. Don't let life that becomes too good become a God in your life. Stay the course, fight, push, grow, and allow God to do what only he could do. But you have to be willing to look underneath the surface. And right now, wherever you're at, you must ask yourself, where, where, where is my soul? You must, you must and thank God for the water. Thank God for the people in your life. I wrote this down. Some of it was people, some of it was obstacles and tribulations, some of it was opportunities, some of it was tears. God was using the very tears to get you to the next point of growth in your life. For if it wasn't for the water, I would not have grown. If it wasn't for the water, God couldn't do his greatest work in me. Thank God for the water. I wanna pray for every person in this room that's desiring to grow. That you would take notice of the three principles that stop growth. The evil one, when life gets hard, and when the good becomes better than the God. Or don't drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid. Let's pray. Jesus, God, you're doing a work in people's hearts, Father. You might have used Coin Church. We're so grateful you've done that. You might have used leaders in this room, God. You might have used people that have a voice in this room, and we're grateful for those people. They have their given task, but God, at the end of the day, you know their soul because you created it. Father, your scripture says that deep cries out to deep our deep soul that is rooted in pain and broken and success and fear and grace and mercy, our deep soul, God, our deep cries out to you, to which is deep. And I pray, oh God, that you would grow us, that you would do more work in us, that we'd stop playing victim, that we would run from the enemy, that we wouldn't back down when the storms come, God, that we wouldn't drink the Kool-Aid, Father, but we would stand firm and we would dig deeper and we would say, all right, God, what's next? I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready to grow more, God. I'm ready for whatever you need to give me. I'm ready for the the storms because it comes with rain. I'm ready for the obstacles because it's just gonna steer me in the right way. I'm ready for whatever you need to do in my life, God. We pray for every person in this room that doesn't know you, Jesus. God, that's looking for you, that's looking for hope and looking for, for grace and looking for more that doesn't know your name, Father, intimately, that doesn't know when they call out to you, you listen and you take heed and you step and you move forward and you're waiting. Father, I pray for those that do not know you in that way, that don't know you're a good shepherd, that don't know you're the great rabbi, that don't know you're the good father who who beckons and calls his sons and daughters to come home. Jesus, you know who that person is right now. You know where they're at. You know what's going on in their life. And all they have to do is cry out to you. All they have to do is ask you. All they have to do is is walk into your love. All they have to do is pursue you. And you do the rest, God. We love you so much, Father. Hey, let's stand up and worship God together.